0: It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back again for another day. Hope you guys listened to Tuesday's bonus episode, Busy Day. Yesterday did a full show um, in the morning, and then, of course, just a few hours later, we learned that Carlos Correa is signing with the Twins. Six years, $200 million could become a 10-year, $270 million deal if certain thresholds, incentives are met along the way. So that became very uh, very much the talker, the dominant story of the day. Lavelle E Neil III hopped on a special edition of Daily Delivery with me. You can find that, of course, wherever you find wherever you found this podcast and others. So hopefully you had a listen to that. Lavelle. Um, Will join me for part two of that discussion on today's show. A little bit more Korea talk, as well as some Vikings talk and NFC North talk with Lavelle. Lavelle, obviously a Bears fan through and through, he was in Chicago for the Vikings Bears finale. Had some thoughts, obviously on Vikings heading into the playoffs against the Giants, but also the division at large, which is going to be interesting next year. You know, we're still <clears throat> very much focused on. This season with the Vikings being thirteen and four heading into the playoffs but uh but some intrigue in the n f c north going forward, and Lavelle and I got into that a little bit as well. I've got some extended Vikings thoughts here that I'll share in just a little bit. too. some Minnesota United intrigue with uh, with a potential roster move that they are that they are trying to make Chogei Sung a Korean player that they are maybe making a pretty big bid for. Um, that story is intriguing to me. Jerry Zagoda wrote about that in today's Star Tribune and StarTribune.com, and I think uh, I think that one is piquing my curiosity. So I'll get to that at the end of the show. Um, along with some other stuff, some extended Carlos Correa thoughts from me as well. First, though, what did I miss? I want to start with the Wolves just because we're at the mid-year point with the Wolves now. They're 20-21, 41 games. That's exactly halfway through this season. Always a good, you know, kind of like the new year, right? When the new year comes, you you start to evaluate things or, you, you know, it, it's 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 a, it's an occasion to, start anew, or think about things in a different way. And the midpoint of a team's season sometimes is the same thing. What's happened so far, and more importantly, what is yet to come uh, with with these Timberwolves. So I kind of divided this into some things that I've liked so far this season, and maybe some things that I don't like so far. <clears throat> and maybe let's start with the things that, uh, let's start with the things that I like so far. And the biggest thing by far, that I have liked about the team this season has been something that emerged lately. It is Anthony Edwards becoming more comfortable in a kind of primary ball handling role, initiating offense, being kind of in that attack mode. That is the future of this team. That is how this team is going to become whatever it is going to become in in the future. It it is Anthony Edwards having the ball in his hands, attacking downhill, not just settling for three pointers, but attacking downhill, getting to the rim distributing when he can running offense when he needs to but but really being in that attack mode that's that's how they're gonna close out fourth quarters that's how they did it the other night uh, in a in a in a big win against uh, I think that was camera was the Portland game or the Denver game but one of those games maybe it's the Portland game where where Ant just went into attack mode at the end of the game and finished things off for them <clears throat> and that was that was really nice to see because again like I said D'Angelo Russell's future here is very uncertain. He could be gone even before the. I don't know. wouldn't be, Wouldn't shock me if he was traded even before the trade deadline coming up in February. What uh, What What is nice about that is is if is if Ant becomes this kind of primary ball handler. You still need a point guard, obviously. or You still need a, another guard who can who can play off of him. But if he is in, if he's getting comfortable enough to be that player, where his usage can be high enough that those possessions are productive. That really will fuel this offense. That will give them a lot more versatility. That will allow them to become an elite team as opposed to just a a decent team because an engaged and attacking Ant is the key to unlocking all of this. A couple other things I've liked so far. One, the ability to weather a storm. Now, I know that maybe is a little bit... Um, dressing up a team that's that's had a lot of adversity but here's what I mean by this I thought at the beginning of the year because of the Rudy Gobert trade they were going to be in a position just with this roster they're going to be in a position where they could withstand more adversity than at past years their 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 roster was deeper with higher caliber players and I think the best example of this is Carl Anthony Towns now has missed as much time as he has played this year almost they were ten and eleven this season in games in which Carl Anthony Towns started this year right now they are ten and ten in games without Carl Anthony Towns. I think in past years that would have been a very hard thing to imagine. but now this year, with more depth with Anthony Edwards maturing with rudy Gobert contributing um still need to see more from him more on that in a little bit um, but with those guys contributing with more roster depth with better kind of star power at the top, even without Towns, uh, I think you're seeing a team that is uh, is able to weather that adversity better than past years, and that, to me, is a good sign, even in the midst of a team that has underachieved so far, uh, so far this season. Um, <clears throat> now let's get to a couple things I don't love. Number one right now has got to be the roster fit with Rudy Gobert. This was going to be a work in progress. That was how it was laid out to us at the beginning of the year. But I don't think anybody imagined that it would be a struggle to this degree. And there's been some alarming signs that Gobert has shown some defensive slippage already this year. And, you know, he's got a lot of years left in that contract, a lot of kind of payment coming still from that trade with all those draft picks. I don't think this is going to be the kind of thing, as long as you have Anthony Edwards, I don't think this is the kind of thing where it's going to become, you know, a bunch of lottery picks, a bunch of high lottery picks that you're giving up. I don't think this is going to ever become something where everything just torpedoes, but their ceiling, again, as much as it's dependent on Anthony Edwards, is also dependent on Rudy Gobert being an all-NBA caliber defensive player, and he has not been that this year. He's been a good player, a good defensive player. They've been a much better defensive team when he's on the court than when he's not on the court, but he has not been quite the difference maker on that side of the ball as I had hoped he would be, and if that's a sign of things to come, that is bad news for the Timberwolves, and it's been bad news for them so far this season. And the other thing I'd say about this at the midpoint is that I still see this as a team that's still pretty immature, a team that is lacking in kind of the, the ability to string a lot of good performances together. Now, You know, they've won four in a row. Some good signs in there. And they fall they fell behind by twenty the other day to Houston and, and came back. So that was a little bit of a slippage, but they did manage to at least win that game. I need to see a team that is serious. They need to get serious about this. They need to understand kind of what their strengths are, play to those strengths, play more consistently, get that sense of urgency and get that sense of maturity. I still don't feel like this is a very mature team. I still don't feel like this team has great leadership. I think it's gotten a little bit better lately, but it's just been a flat by and large. If you look at it over the course of the year, uh, not just lately, not just the recency bias of a four-game winning streak, this has been a flat team in the first half of the season. They need to play with more urgency, more emotion, and get that edge back if they are going to become whatever they can become. So... That's what I don't like so far this season. I think this has been a disappointing first half of the season. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Um, But I don't think all hope is lost either because you do have some examples of winning streaks. You do have some things you can build on. You should get Carl Anthony Towns back here eventually from that calf strain. And then they can see really what they have building here. And I don't think this is a team, like I said, that's going to bottom out completely. But that wasn't the goal this year. The goal was championship or bust. Carl Anthony Towns said that at the beginning of the year. We are, the ceiling has been altered dramatically at this point we need to see in the second half if they can raise that level again take a playcation
1: to Mystic Lake with 24-7 gaming the good times never have to
0: end and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms those that play together stay together
1: and don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way
0: Follow the lights to Mystic Lake,
1: where every day is playday.
0: Lavelle, you know, as we think about the bigger picture of the Twins roster now, before I get you on some Vikings questions, before I let you ultimately go and continue to uh, to work on all the stuff you're working on, as we think about the roster as a whole, I think you mentioned, you know, people might have wanted them to sign some some pitchers with this money. Um, there's there's still time this offseason. There's not it has not been a an overly active offseason until this Correa deal came together. And maybe part of it was they're waiting to see if this would end up coming together. As long as he wasn't signed anywhere, there was a possibility that this could happen. What still needs to get done in your estimation to make this team not just you know marginally competitive, but but really you know on the right path for 2023.
1: I'm just optimistic if the if the health component uh, is more stable than a year ago, this is going to be a good uh, lineup. Um, I because I'm I'm high on Alex Kir- Kir- Kirillov and his ability to hit, not as much on Larnick, but you know he's he's going to be back with some experience. I never liked the Joey Gallo sign. I just thought they just re re-signed Well, people don't say Sano. I think Dave Kingman. Just going back to my Chicago days when I see <laughs> Joey Gallo, or Rob Deere or whoever you know. Bill Swish Nicholson. We can go back as far as you want, but um, I, I don't know how that's a good fit here. But um, it's going to come down to pitching. If Sonny Gray and 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 Molly are healthy and paired with Joe Ryan, that's going to be a nice three. And whatever you get out of Kenta Maeda and it's come back here for Tommy John, it's going to be a plus. And you know that leaves you know Bailey over and. Josh Winder and uh, Louis Varland and some other guys to fight for that fifth spot. And then you've got guys in the minors who are going to be sitting and simmering waiting for their chance to triple A who have some major experience and who are chomping a little bit at the bit here. So I kind of, I, I like where the rotation's at. I just wish they had a true lace at the top of the, uh, at the top of the rotation. I tend to think that Joe Ryan, Ryan is trending in that direction. Um, 15 and nine in his first year plus in the majors is nothing to sneeze at. It's better than Barrios through his first 34 starts It's better than Kyle Gibson through his first 34 starts. Um, And if, if this guy, you know, is able to take the next step forward, you know, he could be definitely an above average pitcher in this league. Does he have ace stuff? No, but he could be at the level where he could pitch like an ace once in a while. Like when Rick Porcello won the Cy Young award one year, he's not an ace, but he pitched like one. I could see, ryan being a guy who could be in that mold so um still keep searching for top pitching but the rotation isn't isn't shabby they got capable arms there i like the bullpen i like the fact lopez is there setting up for duran um they got caleb fieldbar against lefties i wish i had one more power arm but Jorge hey coming back uh, from injury and he was trending in the right direction there's things to like about this roster. It's just the underlying thing is the health component that can't make you say for sure whether or not this team's going to be able to topple the Indians and take over the uh AL Central
0: crown yet. The Guardians, you mean? But yes, old habits yes, are hard. The yes,
1: the Guardians. Yeah, it's the Guardians, the Cleveland okay. Guardians.
0: That's okay. Um Jeez. is is Caleb Fieldbar like the only do they not believe in left-handers? Is he the only left-hander in the whole in the whole pitching staff right now why, why can't they get a left-handed starter
1: they've got another kid uh who's a lefty who they gave time to last year and you're putting me on the hook on the on the hook here because i can't remember his name right at the top of the, of the bat but they called him up and he had some looks last year yeah Giovanni moran oh yeah yeah uh, moran. yeah Moran. Yeah, yeah, yeah who called up and got got a, got some looks in the majors last year um he looks he looks like he's got He's got some promise too, but I would, I'll, they don't have a lefty in a rotation. That's no. the thing that kills me. Like I saw like the last left-handed starter, see the last like left-handed Martin, starters, Perez? Martin Perez, the pitch, at least 20, make 20 starts. It was Martin Perez and Aldo Mejia. So it goes back that far. So they, that's why I think I, I'm surprised they didn't make a hard run after Carlos Rodon. That's a guy I would have given, uh, 27 million a year too, because i thought he had the ability to be the front of the rotation and he's left-handed but yeah uh it didn't come to pass
0: it did not but well we'll see how that how that all plays out i mean bottom line with correa it makes you feel better about their line it makes you feel better about everything kind of falls into place more i guess kyle farmer becomes more of a of an insurance policy more of any of a utility player after after that acquisition earlier in the year uh early in the offseason i mean i, I guess i you know, do you feel like this is a team then, you know, I think with last time we talked, it was about a month ago and we were kind of entering kind of crunch time on what we thought was the original Correa decision. And I think you said something to the effect of, you know, if they have Correa, they can make some noise without him. You weren't so sure. You still feel that way. I do think they
1: can make some noise. A lot of it's going to be predicated once again on health. Uh, But I just, I just, I like the bats. I think this team's going to hit. Um, you got a batting champion in Arias, you got a 20 something homers a short in Korea. Yeah, or Polanco, who i hope hoping that last year was just a down year because he, he hit the DL for the first time. I'm sorry, the injury list for the first time in his entire career, and hopefully he comes back in, you know, um, healthier. You know, uh, Arias is back in the Dominican Republic. There is video on Twitter of him and Carlos, uh, uh Nelson Cruz working out together. Okay. So he's, he's replicating the formula that led him to success last year. Um, I like, uh, I just think highly of Kirov. I just think when he gets healthy, he's going to hit the ball and be a factor. I mean, this kid's first major league game was in the playoffs against Houston. Uh, Let's not forget that. Um, You know, Buxton, of course, I don't know what, where we expect from Gallo. I just, whatever. And Jose Miranda, (laughs) a lot of promise. So I, I like I like some of the bats in this lineup, man. And I, and they've got some power arms in the bullpen. I wish they had one more. Well, I'd really, really like their their uh, their chances, but um, they're not far off. So, um, and they could be at a point where they get to the trade deadline in this July and try to make a
0: couple moves to push them over the top. So we'll right. see.
1: But I think they're going to be reckoned from in the division.
0: Okay. Okay. Speaking of wrecking with reckon with reckon from whatever it, ralph um, we're switching gears here for just a few minutes i want you were in um, chicago you witnessed the weird vikings bears game there wasn't much to it aside from the bears trying to do everything they could to to not win um, you, your bears wound up with the number 1 overall pick when old friend lovey smith got your texans a, a 1 point win so now the bears have the first overall pick Vikings heading into the playoffs now I don't know if we learned a whole lot about them in that Bears game they probably got a little bit of confidence a little bit of continuity but what did you see in that game and what do you make of this matchup against the Giants
1: well uh, the Vikings won the the last matchup against the Giants it was a little it was a tester though they made it hard on the on the Vikes Um, I'm taking nothing from uh, Sunday's game uh, just because uh, there was nothing at stake really for the Vikings and they were just trying to get in and out as healthy as possible. Uh, and so, you know, um, Harrison Smith and Z'Darrius Smith didn't even play. And, it, and as soon as halftime got there and the Vikings were up by almost 10 points, they pulled the plug in the rest of the lineup. The bears are so depleted uh, in the secondary, like their top three corner backs had combined 43 snaps in the season. Yeah. you know, So that was the state of the bears, man. So I just, I'm not taking too much away from that game. Oh, Only that, you know, K.J. Osborne had a nice game, and he maybe needed to be that safety valve if, when teams start to scheme against um, Justin Jefferson. You know, Jair Alexander is going to sit here and take credit for shutting uh, Jefferson down, but if you look at tape of that Packers game, the Packers had three-fourths of their v- defensive backfield swung over to Jefferson's side. So you saw Jair Alexander, but there was like a guy eight yards behind him and then a the guy, guy eight yards behind him. You know, so they just had their own bracket coverage on on number eighteen, and I'm sure that other team is going to try to copy that. So he's he and Kirk Cousins are going to fight through that. And then again, as we saw in the Buffalo game, Kirk just has to throw it up, and he and JJ can go get it and double the coverage. So um, I I like the Vikings' chances. Uh, it's going to be up to the offense just to enforce their will on the game. Uh, the secondary, it's going to come down to, if they can get to David uh, Daniel Jones, if they can get to the quarterback, I changed the whole scope there because quarterbacks have carved up that secondary when there's no pressure on them. And it's going to be up to Smith and Daniel Hunter to set the tone, uh, on Sunday.
0: Are your bears going to dare take a quarterback or do you feel like Justin Fields is their guy? Ryan Pohl said today in the press
1: conference that fields is their guy that he made enough plays during the season to convince them that he's worth moving forward with. The next step for him is to to grow as a passer. So um, he definitely has the arm. Does he have the ability to go through progressions quick enough to find open guys? Remains to be seen. But my goodness, he got sacked 55 times. He may be the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. Still was sacked 55 times because the offensive line was terrible in pass protection and they had crap for wide receivers. So I think uh, the Bears are going to work on building up that roster this offseason and giving um, and giving Fields some options uh, when he drops back to pass. We'll see. This is still a process. I'm not ready to project that the Bears are going to be a threat next year. But I will say this. Both the Jaguars and the Lions won three games last year, and they both went 9-8 and eight and made the playoffs this year.
0: Lions didn't make the playoffs, but the Lions should have made the playoffs. They should have made the
1: playoffs. That's right. They should have made the playoffs.
0: would have made the playoffs if for, if not for a tiebreaker and things like that. But they did knock out the Packers. And do you think maybe let's end with this? I haven't asked you about this yet. Do you think I'm kind of torn on this because I feel like our emotions have been played with off season after off season for the last couple of years. Now, do you feel like we've seen the last of Aaron Rodgers in green Bay? Cause it finally kind of feels real to me.
1: It does to me too. And it looked like you took some time out to let it all soak in after the, the lions game and made sure that he and Randall Cobb walked off the field together uh, that, that was a poignant moment um, uh, after the game. So I'm sure he's thinking about it, and it's very possible that may have been his last game as a Packer. So um, end of an era, and I'll have to say the Packer plans is this. You guys had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, 30 years of quarterback excellence. You won two Super Bowls. That's all I have to say. <laughs> two.
0: I think Vikings fans would have taken those two Super Bowls, and I think Bears fans would have too. But your point is well taken, Lavelle. Maybe they should have won a couple of more with that quarterbacking excellence. Exactly, and the Bears went to
1: two Super Bowls at least. So, um, but uh, yeah, I just I think Packers fans, we how come we didn't win more with these guys? How come we didn't do it? That's going to be the unanswered question that Packer fans would have to wrestle with for the rest of their lives.
0: Big thanks to Lavelle and Neil III for. Pulling double duty, um, long discussion with him that we broke into two parts so we could do a special edition, like I said, at the jump on uh, on Tuesday. Hope you go back and listen to that, like I already said, um, but then, you know, sticking around to talk a little bit more Carlos Correa and a little bit of NFC North football. Um, couple points off of my discussion with Lavelle that I want to get to. Let's jump back to Correa for a minute. Um, I asked on Twitter if anybody had any questions, <laughs> I'm a good friend. Tim Klobuchar, Um, I've known Tim for God, like I've been. We've been really good friends for like a quarter of a century, which makes me feel extremely old. But uh, but Tim's a great guy, great friend. He said, "It seems you're not a big fan of the Correa signing." My question is, can I come on the podcast and yell at you for five minutes about that? Now here's the thing: I'm I'm just kind of skeptical by nature, and I look at this deal. I look at two teams. That walked away from Carlos Correa because they were scared of his medical situation, his ankle history, and then I look at the Twins, like I told, like I told Lavelle, who have had awful injury luck, injury diagnosis maybe in recent years, and I say this is the team that pending a physical, if they really go through with this, this is the team that's gonna that's gonna take a chance on a guy who, again, has stayed relatively healthy, especially in recent years, but does have this lingering issue. Um, a team that can't really afford to miss with its big free agent signings, and this is the team that's going to take any kind of take on any kind of risk. I'm a little bit risk averse in that regard, and I feel like that's the that's the piece that's 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 holding me back from being really enthusiastic about this. If we didn't know anything about the ankle, if he was a completely healthy player or had no none of this medical history, and he joined the Twins and decided this is this is where he wanted to be, I would feel a lot better about this. At this point, it does feel like. The Twins came in third. This was not his first choice, not his second choice. That probably doesn't matter to a certain point, but the ankle does matter. <clears throat> now, the good part does outweigh the bad, right? I don't know who else the Twins could get at this caliber, even at that price, at the six years $200 million, or at the 10 for 270 if all the incentives get met. I don't know who else the Twins could spend that much money on and get that much value from <clears throat> just from one player. Not everybody's going to want to come here. Not a lot of people are going to want to come here. So I get that. I get that signing a player like that's a huge deal for the Twins. I like the way they structured this deal. Ultimately, six years feels a lot less risky, than 10 years guaranteed. I know that the at-bats trigger some of those things, but if he's, met, if he's met those thresholds, that means he's staying healthy. If he's staying healthy, that largely means he's probably been pretty productive because Carlos Correa, when he is healthy, is productive. So I like the structure of it. I think that mitigates a good amount of the risk. I'm just worried that two good teams walked away from this, including one team, the Mets, that has an owner that treats money like it's not really an object. They've said, no, 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 here's our line in the sand. We're going to offer you basically half of what we we're going to give you six years, cut the money in half. This is our offer at this point. The Twins basically outbid the Mets in terms of guaranteed money over the next six years by, a, by about $40 million. So the Twins are going above and beyond what a team that doesn't really regard money as an issue was going to do. That That scares me a little bit. That means that other teams' medical staffs were providing some advice that said, eh, I don't know about this. So the Twins, uh, the bottom line is the Twins need to be right about this. They've mitigated some risk by cutting this down to six years. $200 million sounds like a lot of money. It is an ungodly amount of money, but by baseball terms, it's not uh, i shouldn't even say i mean it's hard to even say this but it it's not it's not that bad it, it it is a relatively uh it's a it's a relatively palatable deal in in the in the larger context you just worry about that ankle these these baseball salaries are guaranteed if at some point this becomes a real issue that's going to be a problem for however long he is still on the payroll so i just worry about that risk factor <clears throat> i worry a little bit about the optics of a guy who didn't you know didn't choose to be here right away, or didn't even choose to be here on his second choice. I worry about that a little bit. That can get washed away pretty quickly when he comes in here if he plays well. Bigger thing to me is the injury risk. If they come out and this works, um all everything's gonna be forgiven. All this all this skepticism is gonna be forgiven pretty quickly. But if it fails, this will be ripped forever. So sorry, Tim, I didn't let you onto the podcast for five minutes to yell at me, but hopefully I explained things a little bit more clearly where I'm coming from, but also let me say, this is a big deal for the Twins. This is a huge coup for them to be able to get a player of this caliber, even if it did come in the manner it did come. This is a big deal for this franchise, and if it works, this will be a very good deal for them. And please do read the rest of the coverage on StarTribune, StarTribune.com. Lavelle wrote a column. Phil Miller um, wrote the wrote the news story. Megan Ryan um, wrote another analysis piece about what this all means. So a lot of good stuff to read on StarTribune, StarTribune.com. Please check this out. Uh, because there was like I said plenty of coverage. Getting to the Vikings really quick. Like I said at the beginning, <clears throat> um I got a got a good mailbag suggestion. I'm we'll gonna be writing a, a mailbag uh question answer today on StarTribune.com. And the question essentially was what was wanting uh myself and Ben Gessling and uh and uh, uh Andrew Kramer to go back and and listen to the very first Season episode of the Access Vikings podcast, and and hear what we said about this team and what we were predicting about this team, and see how close we were to the reality. And obviously, I was way off. And maybe we'll do this exercise, maybe not today's show because I feel like we're going to still be uh, pretty pretty focused on the playoffs when we record Access Vikings here a little bit later Wednesday. But <clears throat> I feel like. Um, I feel like obviously I was way off. So I think the thing I want to say about this is I predicted them to be 7 and 10. They're 13 and 4 and I think we've spent some time in the last few weeks especially um focusing on what this team isn't. Focusing on, you know, ah they you know the the defense is still <clears throat> largely in shambles. Ah the offensive line a lot of problems right now. Ah they've they've fallen behind by 33 points in 3 games this season. No good team in NFL history. That We can find has ever done that so yada 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 this team doesn't have the depth or the skill to make a long playoff run things like that. Maybe we do need to take a break take a breath right now and just say wow this team went 13 and 4 they way exceeded any expectations any realistic expectations at least in the win loss column that any of us could have had. This was an unbelievable, unreal, whimsical, in a lot of ways, season, and I hope that that can still stand on its own merit, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. I know that a loss on Sunday to the Giants, a one-and-done, would really diminish. Some people's opinions of this season would validate the skepticism. I think that's true to a degree. What I want to do right now is just say, wow, this team... 13 wins how did how did they get 13 wins out of this roster how did they get 13 wins out of what we thought of this team at the beginning of the year that to me is pretty incredible and i don't want to lose sight of that even as the analysis going into this game is entirely fair let's finish with the cooler um minnesota loons minnesota united manager adrian heath acknowledging that the team is pursuing uh south korean striker Chogei sung who scored twice in the world cup um, there's been a reported five million dollar offer made for Cho sung and uh, you know Adrian Heath asked about it at training uh, on Tuesday. Didn't uh, didn't throw any cold water on it. His quote saying, "I'd be lying if he wasn't of interest. The way he played in the World Cup showed everybody." But we'll have to wait and see. There has been some dialogue there interesting that is one to watch that would be quite an addition for the loons again a player who scored twice in the world cup that is a high caliber player to be thinking about adding at this point and that would change the dynamic of minnesota united that team uh, just started training earlier this week a long wind up to the beginning of the regular season in late february home opener i believe in early march this year they don't usually make the loons go uh, into Allianz right away given the weather here this would be a terrible day right now to play soccer um, in the in, at Allianz, although it's probably not too far off from the date that they had that World Cup qualifier last year. But we'll see on that. We'll see where the Loons wind up. But if they can find a player of that caliber up top, that would be quite a coup for them. So we'll see if they were able to pull that off. I'd like to talk to Jerry at some point, too, to get a little bit more in-depth on the Loons. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks so much for joining me here on uh, on today's Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Listen to Access Vikings later on Wednesday. Lots of other good stuff coming up this week, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.